back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 42. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. In this session, we're going to look at something that I kind of missed out on last time in Luke chapter 16. Again, in these sessions regarding Luke, we're looking at verses that are, or stories or parables, etc., cetera, uh, uh, events that are unique to Luke's gospel, that is to say, not found in the other gospels. And I missed one last week, uh, and I want to pick up on it this time. It's in Luke chapter 16, at the very beginning of it. And uh, it's kind of a confusing verse, I should say, a confusing uh, parable. It's the parable of the dishonest steward. And it has been misconstrued by many because, as we shall see as we look at this, it looks as though the, uh, the master of this dishonest steward is commending the steward for being dishonest. <laughs> and, and that certainly is not the case. So let's dig into this a little bit. Uh, chapter 16 in Luke. So if you're, uh, if you're not driving, turn to that. There was a rich man who had a steward, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. So let's be clear. The, the master is firing the steward for some kind of malfeasance, some uh, you poor use of funds, etc. So he's, he's going to be fired, or he is fired. Okay. Now... Um, so as, as of yet, the master has not commended this, the steward. So the steward said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the stewardship away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. So he's not, uh, not, too, uh, not too good at physical labor. And I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that people may receive me into their houses when I am put out of the stewardship. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. And he, the steward, said to him, take your bill, sit down and quickly write another for 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Okay, that sounds a little odd. It almost sounds like he's cheating the master again, right? But we have to understand the context of, of the time. So the steward was in charge of, of his master's business there. And what he had been doing was ch charging, you know, an extra commission or so for doing something with the, uh, you know, the master's business. So he was taking a little off the top, or what you might uh, today you might see it as an upcharge. Maybe you go to a convenience store to buy postage stamps, and you may note, depending on the store, 
that the what you pay is higher than the value of the postage stamps, higher than what you would pay at the post office. So it's an upcharge, right? So this dishonest guy, in addition to whatever the bad thing was that he got fired for, for being for being dishonest, he was also charging, you know, this commission or this upcharge to uh, to the customers or or to the clients of of his his master. Okay, and that may have even been quite acceptable at the time. Okay, so this may not have been the dishonest act, but uh, what he does here with these with these people is he's saying, okay, I'm going to remove my commission from what uh, is expected that that you pay, and so all you have to pay my master is what uh, you know is is to cover what what he is expecting out of out of the deal. So it'd be like if you were a salesman and you said, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to take any commission on this sale. I'm I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, I, I have, obviously I have to pay my company. I have to make sure my company gets what they want out of it. But I'm 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 going to not going to take any any commission. So, um, so then it says the master commended the dishonest steward for his prudence. For uh, the sons of the world are wider, wiser in their own generation than the sons of light. Now, I, I left out a part. Why did the steward decide to do this thing? Well, because he thought that the clients of the master would think, hey, this is a pretty good guy. He's not charging any commission on this on this sale. So maybe I will do business with him in the future. Maybe I'll even hire him. Because remember, the steward was worried, what am I going to do now? You know, so he had it pretty well up until up until that time. Uh, and so it says that the master commended, commended the dishonest steward for his prudence. To be clear, the master is not commending the his former steward for uh, the malfeasance that was done that got him fired in the first place. The master is just uh, commending the steward for saying, hey, okay, you're foregoing this commission from now. And in exchange, uh, you are receiving commission for, uh, excuse me, you, you'll be receiving benefit for this in, in, the, in the future because, um, you know, you are making friends with, with people now by uh, what seems to be at least an act of kindness. So, um, and he goes on, uh, Jesus goes on in the next verse, in verse 9, and says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, because it will fail, you know, anything on this earth will ultimately, um, you know, can't, can't last, uh, they may receive you into the eternal habitations. So what's the message for us? Again, kind of like what we saw in the Gospel of Matthew, don't worry about laying up treasures for yourself uh, here because that'll all go away. Instead, think about uh, what is 
called in verse 9 uh, eternal habitations and that is of course a common message throughout all of the all of the four gospels so to be clear once again the uh, the master was not uh, was not uh, impressed by the fact that the uh, steward was initially dishonest towards him but rather that the steward recognized hey I better forego some current income by foregoing these commissions uh, for my long-term benefit, which is perhaps these people will hire me that I have reduced their, their debt, etc. Uh, uh, to be clear, the master did receive all that was due him. But you'd have to know about uh, what stewards, how stewards were paid uh, back then. Okay, so um, enough, enough said about that. Next, we'll move on to chapter 17. And uh, we will see, here's kind of a strange thing. Chapter 17, verse 7. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare uh, supper for me and put on your apron and serve me until I eat and drink and afterwards you shall eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that is commanded you, say, we, we should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what is our duty. So how does that translate to us? Okay. Um, the Lord commands us to be a good witness to others, to tell others about Christ, to live a life that is attractive towards um, um, people who are seeking the Lord, etc. And so we are all the Lord's workers. But we can't think, hey, we deserve something special because of this because we're doing what we were told to do. And uh, lest you think you're so special because you serve, serve the church, we need to remember this. We can never pay back Christ for what he has done for us. I mean, really, what is the value of eternal life? So those of you who serve the church, and I hope that's everyone that's listening, uh, who spend time, talent, treasure, spreading the gospel of Christ through your actions, through your words, etc. We shouldn't be too smug about that, right? Because we um, are not owed any special thanks by God, other than, of course, our eternal life, which should be more than thanks enough, because we're doing what we're commanded to do. So in this, in this parable, uh, you know, the, the master in the parable he says, okay, now you're still my servant and I'll treat you well. I mean, after you serve me, then after I'm done eating, then, you know, you can, you can have something to eat and all that. But don't expect to just, uh, you know, be sitting with me and all that sort of thing while you're still my employee. You get to sit with Christ later on uh, for, for eternity. Though you get to spend time with him now, of course, 
salvation begins the moment that you decide to take that step to, uh, you know, to walk with Christ. And we would say as Catholics, it begins even at baptism, even as an, as an infant there. Okay, next we have another story that's unique to Luke, uh, beginning on uh, in verse 11 of chapter 17. I will summarize it in the interest of time. Um, Jesus encounters 10 lepers, and um, they asked him to show mercy on them. And uh, he said to them with a word, go and show yourselves to the priest. Okay, so they're unclean. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed. Now, how would we relate to this as Catholics? Okay, so uh, the leprosy, if you will, would be our own sin. Okay, and they're asking for mercy. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. So we would say that would be uh, uh, the act of, uh, of confession, if you will. And then they were cleansed, just as we are cleansed when we uh, go to confession. We know that we are unclean, if you will. Okay, nothing new there. Um, then one of them, uh, in verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praised God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Okay, nothing new there. I mean, there's the fact that there's 10, ten uh, lepers is, is unique to Luke. But here is something that is unique to Luke uh, in addition to the numbers. Uh, what about this one guy out of 10 that show, that uh, falls at uh, Jesus' feet and gives him thanks? It says, he was a Samaritan. So I would circle Samaritan. Then said Jesus, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Circle the word foreigner. So again, one of Luke's missions is to show that the kingdom of God is for everyone who will accept the message of Christ. You don't have to be Jewish in order to, uh, you know, to be in the club, so to speak. Everyone's invited into the club. And so it's no surprise that Luke points this out uh, once again, a common theme. Uh, okay, next I'm going to turn to Zacchaeus in uh, chapter 19, the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho. This is the beginning of chapter 19, and was passed and uh, was passed through passing through Jericho. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Oh no, he's collecting money for the Romans. And we talked about how awful that was because once again, here's we have the second uh, story in the day about somebody collecting commissions, if you will. Um, he was a tax collector collecting commissions for the Romans, if you will. He was a chief tax collector and rich, and he sought to see Jesus, but he could not on account of the crowd, and because he was small of stature. Hey, I can relate to that. So uh, he ran ahead and climbed up on a sycamore tree to see him. Uh, I'm going to summarize for the sake of time. Jesus stayed with him. So even though he was seeking Jesus, but Jesus ultimately um, 
said, hey, I was looking for you. I'm going to stay with you tonight. And so what, what does Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the rich guy, do? He is so moved by Jesus choosing to dine with him. In verse 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. A circle, I give to the poor. Maybe perhaps underline it. For I, and, and in addition to that, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Is it any wonder why this, this story uh, is in Luke's gospel? Once again, we have Luke just pounded it into us, pounding it into us, take care of the poor. The poor have value. So my challenge to you is look at the poor that you come into contact with every day. I lived in Chicago for a number of years, and there were homeless people everywhere. You need to develop a strategy. How will I deal with homeless people? Um, I would tend to uh, purchase food that I could hand them, and I would also support um, place, soup kitchens, etc., Catholic soup kitchens uh, primarily, that, that would serve them. I would not give money per se because many of the homeless uh, that we encounter on the streets um, you know, they um, may use it for uh, bad purposes, purchasing liquor, drugs, etc. But I want to be able to meet their needs. So for you, you need to develop a strategy. It is not enough to say, oh, I love Jesus and I, you know, by faith alone I am saved. That is a Protestant idea. We recognize and we've seen so much through Matthew's gospel that we need to put our faith into action. And as we will see in, in uh, the book of James, faith without works is dead. We want to be Matthew chapter 25 people, you know, take care of the, um, you know, the, the hungry, the, you know, the, those in prison, etc., etc. Read Matthew 25 again. And if you don't, then you really don't have that uh, relationship with Christ that um, you know will will uh, will get you in, into heaven. So it's faith plus works. Okay, and we see that Jesus says, "Hey, today salvation has come to this house, the house of Zacchaeus, because a he has repented." So that's a, a theme. B, uh, he is forgiven. And Luke's gospel is uh, emphasizes forgiveness. And C, he is uh, taking care of the poor, which you really can't read through the gospel of Luke and not pick up on the necessity of having a plan and following through with that plan to take care of those who are in need. Well, we are about in need to end this lesson because we're about out of time. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, um, help us to reflect on our own lives as Zacchaeus has, and um, repent, and look at ways that we can be the eyes, the ears, 
and the uh, the hands of Christ in dealing with those less fortunate, uh, and give us the give us the wisdom, the strength, the vision to uh, look for those who need help, and give us a plan to deal with uh, with those uh, folks who who need our help when we encounter them. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll continue on next time looking at unique passages in Luke. Uh, Once again, I'm Jim Hawk, and we will see you next time on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study.